0: Hallelujah. It is good to see you in the house of the Lord. I said it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you notice that we have some playground equipment, it's just not playable right now. So we're asking you to support uh, that project that we're doing. Uh, We're bringing in, as you saw, uh, a playground, installing it. It's going to cost... Uh, it, instead of costing about forty to fifty thousand, if you haven't ever priced uh, playgrounds, just just go Google it. Sometimes, uh, some sometime and you'll see how much expense is in a playground. But for our church, in the favor of God on our church, let me tell you, it was given to us free. It, it's out of a church in the area, and they received it from a Chick Fil A. They spent thousands on it. God has blessed us with it. But what we're going to do is we're going to uh, have to. Uh, bring it over here and install it, and all the the pea gravel that goes under it and everything, we're, we're needing around $3,000 so just a fraction of the cost. So uh, when we take up the offering at the end of the service, if you would, just fill out an offering envelope, put playground, and you'll help us. You say, well, Pastor, uh, I don't even have any children that would play on it. Wrong. How how's he say it? Wrong, you know. You do have children, spiritual children in this church that as we're a family of believers that those children that are in this church will have an opportunity to uh, have a playground. We want you to be involved in that. Also tonight, let me tell you, it's going to be an exciting night. We have restaurant connection groups and uh, yeah, how, how many people have ever gone on one of these? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, to do it. The hardest, the hardest part of this will be getting out the door. Because again, the, the talk goes on as, ooh, it's uncomfortable and I don't know who I'm going to be with. But always at the end of the night, you have learned somebody's name. You've gotten to know them that you didn't know them that went to our church and it makes it even easier and more pleasant to do life together. I believe that we do life better together. Uh, that's tonight at six o'clock. If you did not sign up, just let us know today and if if you would, and we'd put you into groups. So we have all these different restaurants that we have chosen, and uh, then what we do is we choose uh, just kind of a drawing and putting you on different teams or different groups, and then we send you out to the restaurants. And uh, have a great time. Then you come back here and we have dessert and just a time of connection and getting to know one another. You realize being a part of the family of God, fellowship is very important. As a vision of our church is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, pastor, I do that at halftime. That's only five minutes. That's not enough. Good try. Good try. And then remember that as school is starting and some of you have children in school and some of you are are realizing it as you go through school zones, that that it's a change in the season. And uh, Labor Day is next week. The week after that is September the 8th. That is the day that we're having again the the annual kind of back to church Sunday. I don't know why we call it back, but it's a national thing. And and, uh, if you have not been going to church, well then... The good news is you need to come back. Um, but we're having a special kickoff. There, there's a, a, a Sunday school or a Sunday morning educational hour called uh, Our Christian Education. And what we're going to do is a new curriculum called this. Ready? I said this, you heard that. Um, the way that you're wired is how you're you color your communication. And all, you know, some people go, I don't get it. Well, the people that say that usually aren't married. Because if you're married, you know that you said it one way and your spouse heard it totally a different way. I didn't even say that. So all of you that have experienced that and you go, is there not some help? Uh, We're going to present help. So from that day on, no excuses. If you come, it will enlighten you. Also, during that season of September 8th, I'm starting a new sermon series. And in, in the title of it is, Starting Here. Uh, everything has a starting point. Uh, we know as growing up as a baby, that's your starting point. Uh, a plant has a, a bloom. A- anyway. Uh, we're talking about why doesn't our faith have a starting point. Some of us don't remember when we've actually committed our life to Jesus Christ, but we're going to go back and start from the beginning of just explaining, again, how our faith begins. It's not based on the Bible says. Now, before you go, what? Realize that Christianity happened in history way before the Bible. So what we're doing is realizing that as God has placed us here and giving given us an assignment to be good news, to give the good news and to be the light and to the salt to the world, a lot of times we just go on what we've heard from somebody else or whatever. We're going to go back to the starting point and give and equip the people of the church that will be here during the sermon series, Something to share with those people in your network of friends and, and family. Um, you know, we, we built a coffee shop down here called Axiom Coffee. And it excites me every time someone comes through the door. Even though that we've been in existence, opened officially a little over nine months or right around nine months. Do you know that every day we see new people come in there and they look around and they go, this is cool, wow. Do, do you understand that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And as we begin to offer the community ways to come to know Jesus and and get freedom over their finances and, and how marriages can be restored, there's a starting point. And that's where we are in our lives, in our church, in our coffee shop. So I want to encourage you to be here on September, be here next week for sure, but be here on September 8th as we start the sermon series, Start Here. This morning, I'm going to conclude the, the sermon series that we've been talking about uh, and the title is, Who is Holding Your Ladder? I know that some of you that are, this is your first Sunday here, you're wondering, why did someone leave a ladder out? Because during worship, I kind of thought that too. And then, oh, I'm preaching the sermon series. The, the whole message, the series that we've been talking about is when we understand and we come to uh, know Jesus Christ and make Him Savior of our life, we ask Him to come into our life, our sins are forgiven, we put our faith in Him. But it's a whole nother, a whole nother world when you commit your life to him as Lord of your life. In other words, you do not uh, go on your own understanding, but you acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. So in order to be able to do and build off of the word of God in our life, a lot of times we get fearful of going any deeper or any higher in the Word of God because we think that our foundation isn't strong enough. And we go, you know what? I just don't. Has anybody ever got kind of fearful on a ladder before? I remember when we were building this church, there was a kind of a ladder. It's kind of a sky lift. And we went up to install these four poles and it goes up through this drop ceiling into the roof, into the rafter. So it goes another maybe six to eight feet up. And, and I remember it was, we didn't have any electricity in the building, so the light of the outside was getting dark. It was about dusk. And we wanted to get this done before the evening. And and I remember that the little mechanism that made the thing go, I was in this bucket, this little, it wasn't secure, I didn't think. But anyway, we were up in the rafter and it was dark in here and, and, and the guy with me said, would, would you put the bolt around that all thread? You know, that that, and that." so I'm right here and I can barely see it. And he took the mechanism that raises it and lowers it and dropped it about this far. Of course, me being a man, I went, that didn't bother me at all. No, really, it was like, "Ah!" I almost lost my cool on that. (laughs) You always, the higher you go, the more that you want a firm foundation. Uh, This morning, the thing is, the enemy comes against us and tries to get us feeling like when we're climbing, he's like this. You better come down. You better only stay down here because this is the safer part. But God says, I've got you. I'm holding your ladder. You can go higher because you know that I'm with you. The the songs, I don't know about you, but every time that I'm in worship and I'm singing and confessing out of this mouth, John Miller's mouth, it comes and I hear myself singing and it does something to my faith. It increases my faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The enemy comes against us, and first of all, he knows that the whole thing of Christianity is based on the love of God for us. He attacks that. He begins to attack, 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 attack. Get them to believe that God's love for them is really not true. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Has anybody ever beside me been there before? When you just were so dead wrong, but the problem was you just didn't know you were dead wrong? Kind of embarrassing when you find out that you were dead wrong. There's a way that seems right, but it's just wrong. In Proverbs chapter 14, again, it says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. The the question I have for you as we start this sermon today is, Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? If if you take an example in the Bible and go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and the creation of the earth and animals and then mankind, and, and here Adam and Eve has everything in the garden that they would need. Everybody realizes that, right? And the only thing that God says don't touch is that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and they begin to look at that only because the enemy comes into the life and says, God's holding out on you. And really, God's holding out on you mean he doesn't really love you. And if you'll eat that fruit from that tree, your eyes will open up and you'll begin to really see like he does. And what he does is he begins to kind of sow into their life a little bit of doubt in God's love for them. And it, doesn't, it isn't long until we find out that as soon as he gets their ears, that the walls that have been built up to protect them begin to crumble. They begin to invite in doubt maybe this morning as we continue this message you you'll, you'll say you know what i've allowed some things to get into my life i've listened to some things i've listened to circumstances i've listened to everything that's going on in the world and i i've really not wanted to go any higher in god because it takes so much God had told them, you can have everything in this garden but that. And when he came in, the enemy came in, he began to work that fear, doubt, and unbelief into their life until it worked. Can I tell you this morning that as believers, as we come and make Jesus Savior of our life and we move on to make him Lord of our life, the only way that you're going to be confident in going higher in the things of God and allowing him to work in your life is to have the mind that is transformed and it, and what's amazing is the mind has to be transformed continually. You're never getting to the point where you've heard it all, seen it all, believe it all, I'm good. The transformed mind is is something that when the word of God comes into your life, it begins to change your thinking so that your emotions change and when your emotion you're not emotionally driven anymore. Somebody can come in, and, and let me tell you, this is something that all of us have to work on because we can be pretty tall in January, and then in August, in the heat of the summer, someone can say, they really don't love you down there at the chapel. And you go, That's right, they, they haven't said hi to me in quite a while. Emotionally driven. Then we can go into a place where our emotions change, and then our choices change. We're making godly decisions. Come on now. You might have heard this before, but think about it. Where are you? Who are you listening to? Because our choices then will change if our mind is transformed by the renewing of our mind by the Word of God. Our choices then are our habits. All of a sudden, we begin to make the right habits and sometimes we get in a place where we're making habits and we go, yeah, that's not too good a habit. And you might be there today. But when our habits change... Our character, and then our character, our destiny. So let me just tell you, as we start this sermon series, if you're in a place right now in your destiny, you know, where you're at, and you go, I don't like where I'm at. Changing direction and allowing time to get you back on the right track. Transforming your mind that you might know God's good, perfect, and pleasing will. This morning, I want you to see this because I I want you to understand that the thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's a lot of times that it isn't even Satan. It's just us. And sometimes when we just say, God, I I allow you to work into my life, it is hard to have a vision for that. John Maxwell puts it this way, his vision is the awareness or the ability to see, the attitude, the faith to believe, and action is the courage to do. We go a little bit further in our walk with God when we allow Him to give us a vision to push back against the flesh. What's the flesh? Everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This morning we're going to be talking about a guy named Nehemiah. And this guy is very interesting to me because, you know, he he begins to do things that a lot of times encourages us or challenges us when we read what he did. He had a goal in his ministry, or not in his ministry, but in his life that in in the business world would be called a BHAG. A big, hairy, audacious goal. Because when when he began to think about it and pray about it, it became bigger and bigger. And really, the day that he presents it or takes action out of what he's called the spiritual realm of praying, he says, "I was terrified." This morning, we're going to be talking about Nehemiah that is talked about thousands of years later because all through his inequity, say the word. That's what I said. The face to be able to face his fears and all the things that are going on, all the circumstances that are negative, he's still able to overcome that. He goes to Superior, which is the king of the known world at that time, and he begins to ask favor, even though it is unheard of. So right now where you're at, if you think you're going through something that is unheard of as a miracle or the impossibility, let me tell you, God specializes in that. Have you ever been fearful when an opportunity has come out that it's kind of overwhelming and you begin to kind of pause and kind of fall back a little bit and go, wow, that's going to take a little bit more than I got? I heard a story about two guys that lived up in the hills in Missouri and I mean, they lived back in the back in the woods, and one of them was named Rufus, and the other one was named Clarence. And, and years before, they had to, had an argument, and boy, they had just gone after it, and they wanted to really kill each other. I mean, they were mad. and So every night before bed, sun was going down, Rufus would come to the edge of the water that overlooked the river into Clarence's house. His cabin was across the river. And Rufus would say, Clarence! And Clarence would come out of the cabin and he'd say, you better be glad tonight that I don't know how to swim because I'd swim across here and I'd whoop you. How's that? And Clarence goes, boy, you better be glad I don't swim or I'd swim across and whoop you. For 20 years that went on. You better be glad, Clarence, or I'd swim across. If I knew how to swim, I'd come over there and whoop you. 20 years went by and the Corps of Engineers came into that part of Missouri and decided to build a bridge over the river. But it still went on for five more years every night. Clarence, you better be glad I don't swim or I'd come over there and whoop you. Clarence had look back and say, Rufus, I'd if I knew how to swim, I'd swim over there and whoop you. One night, it began to happen again, and Mrs. Rufus, <laughs> she said, I am so tired of you two yelling back and forth for 25 years. The Corps of Engineers built that bridge just a couple hundred yards down the way. Why don't you just go over there and whoop Clarence? In which... Uh, Rufus kind of swallowed a little hard, pulled up his pants. (laughs) Okay, I think I will. So he went down to the bridge and kind of did a little stretching. Got up on the bridge, got about halfway over the bridge, and he looked up. He turned around and began running, screaming back to his house, his wife watching all the time. He got back to the cabin and said, get inside, get inside. They both got inside. He bolted the windows, locked the door, and got under the bed with a shotgun. (laughs) Mrs. Rufus said, what in the world happened? What what are you doing? He said, you saw that I, I got up on the bridge and I looked and there was a big sign. And it said, Clarence. 13 feet, 6 inches, and he didn't look that big from this side of the river. (laughs) The question is, have you ever hesitated at an opportunity because it seemed too big? Apparently Rufus did. Have you ever been to a place where something was so big it gave you pause and you thought, you know what? <laughs> I don't know if I can go any higher in God because it's just too hard. I know the Bible says to forgive. I know I shouldn't be offended, but somebody did this and I'm not going to walk in love on this one. God's just going to have to forgive me. I'm going to walk in grace then. God, you got to forgive me because I hate him. Do you see what's happening here? As you get to a place where you go, you know what? I've got to fight the flesh, and, and i got to understand that that does not come easy. Instead of giving up and saying, you know what, I'm just going to walk in hate or I'm going to walk in... And fit, you make the decision. I'm going to do what the Word of God says and I'm going to walk in love. I'm not going to allow the enemy either to speak into my life and say that God doesn't love me. Everybody that sees the problem bigger then what they can do they see the problem is bigger than their god that they serve let me tell you that in the story today the jewish history is really rebellion chose death instead of life therefore they're in captivity they're in babylon god had already told them in Deuteronomy as they were their forefathers were possessing the promise He said, if you choose me and the things of what I will give you as a way of life, listen, people, he said, come on, guys, if you understand, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country, you'll be blessed going in, you'll be blessed going out. Your your barns will be flowing with overflow. And they're like, "Yay!" but if you don't do the things, realize I have a way for you. If you don't do the way that I'm talking about, all these things that you heard was good, the bad things will come on you. And really, when you think about it, the whole nations of the world were reaping those bad things constantly. They'd rise in power and fall. They'd rise in power and fall. The Bible, let me just kind of summarize some of it for for time's sake, but then we'll read some in Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is the cupbearer. He is... He's the, the head guy. He's the most trusted with the king and queen. He tests their food. And it says that one day, another Jewish man, Nehemiah was Jewish. He was a child of God. Then a man comes in named Hanani and kind of gives him a report of things back in Jerusalem. And, and he's in Babylon, of course, with the Babylonian and the the. The king, and, and what happens is that this report says Jerusalem ain't doing too good. When the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they broke down the walls which kept the Jewish people safe. And they did it as a sign of conquering Jerusalem and, and Israel. And this report comes, How's Jerusalem doing? And, and they say, Oh man, it, it's not doing too good. See, most everyone saw the problem. They had seen it on a regular basis. Every time those people went into their homes in Jerusalem, every time that people came to Jerusalem to visit, they saw the walls had been broken down. They they saw the problem, but nobody took action on doing anything about it. Sometimes we live in the middle of the mess so long that we begin to turn and refocus our thinking on, it's just the way life is. Let me give you three things real quick and, and then I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to customize it for your life. The first thing is evaluation about your spiritual wall around your life. To evaluate where you are right now. And, and when I say the, your wall, the, the things that God has placed in your life to say, you know what, this is the word of God. This is the truth. Somebody can come into your life and you'll allow them to speak into your life. Now, what I mean by that is you'll give them ear. We, We know that we receive things into our temple, our heart, the place of worship, that come in through our eye gate and our ear gate. And if we begin to listen to things, if we allow people to speak into our life, well, I know the Bible says to do that, but we're kind of in a different time. That, that isn't for us today. That when that doubt comes into our life and fear comes into our life, all of a sudden we allow our wall of what God is doing, our fortress, to begin to break down and we allow that to come into our life. Now you'd say, well, what was bad about the walls being broken down? There was no protection for the people, the city, the temple of God. Do you realize that in your life as well as mine, they've done studies and even Maslow did this hierarchy of needs and we all agreed to some extent on the basic of need is food, clothing, and shelter. If you don't have that, really nothing else matters. But do you know the second thing they say that people need is safety? You will not progress in life if you're fearful of every day somebody coming in and taking your stuff, killing your wife, killing you. There's a sense of progression that can happen when you provide people with safety. During one of the wars in the, the Gulf War, they, they said that the enemy that was against even the people would sit up in the, the bridges and they would look down on the people and they'd begin to shoot people as, as snipers would, as they would come for water. And you'd say, well, why would they forfeit even their safety? Because they needed water, which was a more of a basic need than even their safety. Beyond safety is a feeling of loving and belonging to a group of people. That's what we get when we meet together. And it goes higher in self-esteem. But self-esteem and loving and belonging doesn't matter anything if you don't have safety and you don't have food, clothing, and water. Do you understand? One has to come before the other before you value that. And then the top is just self-actualization of who you are. Those are the needs of man. And so what happens is in this story, the safety of the people were so skewed because the walls were broken down that the enemy in that area was constantly bullying him, and they were even, even believing lies. They had false prophets coming around. They had people that were foreigners that were living in the, the city and they were bullying the people. They had got to the place that they were believing that it was okay to have their brothers and sisters in debt to them, to the place that they would sell their daughters or give their daughters in slavery just to have to pay their debt. That's what I love about Nehemiah. He shows up. And God has anointed him to solve the problem. And when he hears that the walls are broken down, he says, someone's got to do something. And the Bible says, listen to this, I sat down, I cried. In fact, I refused to eat for several days for I spent the time in prayer to the God of heaven. He began to pray. He began to see and evaluate the the spiritual walls that actually were in the people's life were waning as well as the physical walls of Jerusalem. Do you know that David, after sinning, wrote this? I learned God worship after I had a a broken heart and a contrite heart. God will not despise. Would the people accept what Nehemiah was going to say? Would the king allow him to go? And, And here's where we're at. At this place, we don't know how important it is Sometimes in our life to have protection around our life to not allow the enemy to come in. A lot of times we allow people to speak into our life that are well-meaning. Now let me tell you, it's not your wife, it's not your husband. We don't war against flesh and blood, but a lot of times we want to take the easy way out. We don't want somebody else to hurt. So we'll we'll even, if we're not careful, take part in the disobedience and go, it's okay. Did God really say that? And what I'm telling you today is God has a plan for us if we'll just stay the course. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In Psalms 115, verse 9, it says, O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. It's a shield. It's a fortification that says, no, the enemy is not going to come in because God is my help and my shield. When Nehemiah hears this, it begins to weigh on his heart. God, allow me to be the answer. Let me, God, do something about it. The Bible says what the walls in Jerusalem were were what the, the walls of their heart was to the people. For years, the walls had been tore down. The temple had been rebuilt, but a lot of times the people didn't even go to worship because of fear of the enemy in that area. When the walls lie in ruin in our life, The enemy is so easy to come in and talk us out of worship. Taking part in the things of God. But Let me tell you, a lot of times when we get out of the will of God, we don't come to the church, we do not worship with each other. When there's other things that go on in our life, it's the Holy Spirit that comes knocking on our door and says, hey, you remember that? You remember you need to come back. You need to come back to the things of God. There's something that in us that want to take the path of least resistance. And, and sometimes it would be almost, almost easier if the Holy Spirit, you know, would twist our arm and go, get on back in there. But being such a loving God, and He says, come on, come on back. There's things that you've allowed to come in. There's, there's things that are causing you to react in a certain way that you know is not right. There's things that have happened to you that it's easy to get into fear. It's not easy to say, No, I'm not going to walk in fear. Let me say it this way. It's easy to say it, it's another thing to do it. And some are living with the walls around their life laying in ruin. It happens so slowly there's a loose stone or mortar, then there's a crack. Some weeds begin to grow and break down and then there's a breach in our wall and all of a sudden we allow something to come in that we know. We, we begin to do things that we say, how in the world did that ever happen in my life? The enemy has gained access. You might be in the past a Christian man or woman that put your heart in God. But when somebody says you're a mighty man of God or you're a mighty man or woman, you go, no. No, I'm not. And you begin to hear what the enemy is speaking over your life. And to, instead of saying, God, I, I'm forgiven and I repent. I turn from that and are restored into the place of being a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. The Bible says that what I want to bring out is that there's so many times things that happen over the years. And and this is just something subtle that happens. The Israelites, the largest group, had been taken into exile into Babylon. There's a group that had been brought in which later in Jesus' times will be called the Samaritans. Displacement of population the enemy thought would reduce the level of revolt because people that would be brought back into Israel really not from Israel. Therefore, they didn't really take and invest into the land like people that were actually their ancestors had lived there. So... Here's Jerusalem, the center of the country, and there's people that really haven't grown up there. They've just been brought in there. And and they have allowed the deterioration of that city and those walls to lay in ruin. And then they begin to allow people that weren't even Jewish people to dictate the law. And they weren't even following the law of God anymore. The second thing that I want you to see, the second thing that I want you to understand is pray to get the job done in your life. So many times we get to a place where we allow that to happen and we look back because we don't have any margin in our life. Write down that. That's one of the biggest things that are going on right now in a busy culture that we live in. No margin. We don't have any time to spend with God that we think we're busy, we're working all the time, then we want to spend some time with family, and all those things are good, but they're not the best. We allow selfishness to come in and we go, you know what, I just got to take care of myself. Lack of discipline, procrastination, not making time for God, then comes compromise, and then even rebellion of saying, no, I'm not going to do the things of God anymore in my life. It's something that we never start and intend to do. That's something that is, but we just allow a little bit into our life and we allow a little bit more, and again... We never pray, God, now allow me to get the job done. How how do I restore again the walls that are protection around my life? The, the guardrails, as we've said before, that says, no, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna live in fear. I'm not gonna live in offense. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live under your or I'm gonna live under your authority and not something else or someone else's authority. Now let me see, let me just show you this. He begins to pray in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, and then it goes all the way through chapter 2, verse 8. He just begins to remind God, God, we have sinned. Our people have sinned. And then he comes to the point, he says, but remember, God, he says, if we sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if we return to God and obey his laws, even though he says you are in exile to the farthest corners of the universe, I will bring you back to Jerusalem. For Jerusalem is the place in which I've chosen to live. Then he says, God, here's my plan. Please help me when I go and ask for the king's favor that I might go to Jerusalem and provide the rebuilding of the wall. I want us to pray specifically, not just in generalizations, but pray specifically how you can allow God to set up a system in your life to restore those things that have been broken down. Let me explain. If it's procrastination that you do it the first thing in the morning, that you put the Word of God in front of your eyes, that reminds you, if it's not having enough margin because you've got so much to do, that you, as they say, religiously say, this is untouchable time. This is a time that I'm going to spend with God. It might be at lunch. It might be a place where you have to be disciplined to the place that you go, I got to go out and sit in my car. Because when I'm sitting in there and work, everybody wants to talk, and I'm trying to get... Allow God to show you, again, a plan of restoring the things of God in your life. Realize this, and, and let me say this, and then we'll get into the third point. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage military campaign, uh, employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve out our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power. To effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. It's strongholds. The Arammatic word for strongholds can be translated rebellious castles. And Paul refers to it in the Second Corinthians as a demonic stronghold, or sinners of opposition to the to the light of the gospel. In other words, we've allowed things to come into our life that keep us from putting God first. Now now listen as it goes on. Verse 5, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy, which is a sedel or an argumentation which include fantasies, that oppose God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such a dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish and trace of rebellion, any trace of rebellion, as soon as you choose complete obedience. If you didn't get what that says, is that we all live in a culture that is trying to speak into our lives things that are not of God. And without the protection of saying, God, we're constantly in your word, we're constantly being renewed day by day that we might know your perfect pleasing and perfect will for our lives. If we're not in the word of God, realize that when a thought comes into our life that's trying to break down who we are and what we are and speak against the the love of God in your life, what you'll do is you'll just take that and begin to reason with it. Maybe maybe that's true. Now listen, that thought doesn't give place for the enemy to hide in your life. But the next thought, and the next thought, what, what, the, what this whole context is saying is you're building a stronghold that the enemy comes in and hides begin, under and begins to speak a pattern of thinking in your mind. Come on, let, let me just give you some very practical way of, I've seen this happen in Christian's life, and I hope it's not your life. It, right now, there, there is an extreme split in the way of thinking in the Republican and Democrat. You, you know politics, I hope. Boy, it's going to get quiet in this church. <laughs> let me show you this. As Christians, we are believers, right? We we come above any kind of Republican and Democrat title in our lives. But I've seen Christians get so mad at the Democrats that they're Christians that are Republicans that they go, "I want to go out and kill those Democrats." That is a pattern of thinking that is not of God. Hello. And it's the same thing with a Democrat. If you're a Democrat and you're a Christian, you go, I don't like those Christians. I would take them out back and beat them. Wrong! You're allowing that stronghold for the enemy to speak into your life and speak against people. Okay, just process that. But let me wrap this up. Have a plan to get the job done. There's something about praying about it, but to allow God to begin to speak the plan into your life. The first one was evaluate where you're at. Pray for a plan. And then the third one is have a plan. Get a plan. He goes before the king, and apparently he's been very happy. He's probably a sanguine. He's probably very trusted with the king. But the Bible says that he comes in one day after been praying and fasting and he's kind of like low. And, and the king is sitting there and goes, hey, hey, Nehemiah, what's up with it? Why are you so down? And he says, I never was down in front of the king. But then when he asked, he said, King, why shouldn't I be down? Because the the walls of my city where my forefathers lived are all broken down. And then he said, Send me to rebuild the walls. Now, again, what he is asking is very, very touchy. Because what the king could be hearing without the voice of God speaking in the king's ear. If Nehemiah is walking by fear, here's what he could hear. The king could hear Nehemiah say, King, send me back home to build a fortress that's going to keep you out. We're going to start a rebellion. It took the Babylonians a long time to break down the walls of Jerusalem because it's on a mountain. It is a fortress in itself. The king said, how long is it going to take? The queen was right there. Now, this is... uh, That's just amazing that he's going to ask for favor that he could be sent back and the king would release him to go back and be in charge. But the Bible says, he goes, yeah, one more thing, king. He says that, would you give me protection all the way back so that everybody on the way would allow me to go freely and you you give me the when when they know that you've given me the thumbs up nobody'll touch me and then he says this and, and another thing <laughs> just a couple more things he said could 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 it be possible that you give me a letter to the to the forest keeper and provide wood so that I can build gates we're going to build the wall but the gates in the wall could you could you Could you provide all the resources for that? And the king says, yes. And he does one better. He even says, I'll send army officials, commanders, and really a cavalry unit to go back to Jerusalem to do the work. Until we pray, until we ask, seek, and knock, until we look long and expect for the goodness of God in our life, we'll always doubt because the enemies, you could never do that. You, you, you're just in a culture that everybody limps, so why don't you just limp too? Everybody just takes your uh, diagnosis as that's just the way it is. Your dad was poor, your grandfather's poor, you're going to be full poor. No, I'm not. It takes something inside of you to say, God, I will allow you to be God in my life. The Bible says that he gives permission for all those things. He goes back and it, let me just, I'm going to fast forward because of time. He goes back and the officials get on board and they go, let's build. There's all kinds of oppositions. You know that once you get the good news, that still isn't. there's still life that goes on. There's a couple guys in the country that are kind of the the big head guys. All of a sudden they realize they're not that big anymore when Nehemiah shows up. I I love this part of the story. I don't have enough time, but you need to read it. The Bible is awesome. Read the story of Nehemiah. The Bible says that uh, these guys start trying to thump their chest and say, we're going to take you out. And he goes, yeah, I don't got time for that. We're going to come and attack the people as they're building the wall around Jerusalem and he goes, really? Okay. Half of the men's going to carry weapons and the other half is going to build. There were perfumers. I love this story. They didn't know how to build a wall but they go, where do you want me to build? Right out in front of your perfume store. Right out in front of your house. All these kinds of people that were, they all got on board. It's an amazing story of leadership. And each one of them took a section in the wall. And you, you know, when I'm reading this and the enemy's saying, why don't you come on down here? And he says, I'm doing a good job. I can't come down right now. Then intimidation comes. We're going to send letters to the king and say that you're going to start a rebellion. You're going to be the king. He goes, knock yourself out. And he just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. And you know, th- this is the part that I just go, you know what, this is where we need to be as a church is as as we begin to see the things of God working in our life that we determine right now that the enemy isn't going to come in and speak into our life and determine our direction. The, the, the reason I say that is it is so easy to get it today, but in three months, six months, a year, if you're not constantly renewing your mind, It's the hardest thing to open is a closed mind. So we're taking preventative steps before we get there. God, I'm not going to allow the enemy to come into my life. God says, walk in love. Well, you don't know what Homer did to me. I I tell you what, he he didn't say hi to me. I thought he was a greeter. Now I know he's a bouncer. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? It is so easy to to get a thought and begin to pet it. just like a pet. Well, I tell you what. If Pastor John liked me, he would have said something to me. Come on now. It's time for us to say, God, to go higher. I'm believing that you have a plan for me. I'm not going to stay down here in the elementary little water, finding its own level, and I'm just going to sit down here, and I'm just going to, well, everybody else is down here. with No. The Bible says that He continues to build until it's done. And it, do you know how long it take, took to build that wall? 15 years, 20 years. No, it says this. It says in 52 days it was complete. I look at that and I think it would have taken years, but everybody in that town began to work and get that done. And this is my favorite passage in the book of Nehemiah. If you're going to, if you're going to send me a a card here, write this out. Ready? Nehemiah chapter six, verse 16. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Ready? Because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. all the work, all the opposition, all the insults, the lies, the intimidations, the death threats in Nehemiah. As a believer, you're pushing against the flesh to say, no, 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 I'm not going to yield to the ways that are not of God. I'm going to stay the course that God has given me. Because I know that He's holding my ladder and I have a great foundation, the Word of God in my life. The title of my message is this, now that I'm done. (laughs) Nehemiah, here it is. What could be? And I'll ask you, what could be in your life if you allow God to be God? If you begin to build a strong fortress that says there's no, 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 no. The enemy is not going to get place in my life. You know, this week I went down to Walgreens and I I made a poster. See the lion? Don't you love lions? I got a couple more. You're saying, slow down, I can't read it. Well, I'm going to read it to you. That's why. It says, let your faith roar so loud that you can hear what doubt is saying. Isn't that good? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't allow doubt to come into your mind. They say, God, I know that you have a plan of what could be, and I'm going to walk that out. Would you just bow your heads this morning? This morning, you might be here, and you say, Pastor, I've, I've allowed some things to come into my life that I, I know it shouldn't be there. It was just subtle, and I don't even know how I got to this place. Maybe today you are sick and tired of the place that you're in. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to you through this message of how to begin to rebuild and how to say, you know what, God? I'm going to build a wall of protection around my life. I'm not going to do that anymore. I repent. And God says, you're forgiven. But this morning, I want you to see that today's a new day. I want you to understand that the pastor speaking God's love into your life. That he wants the very best for you. That we get to the place that we do not feel like there is a way that seems right unto man that leads to death. That's the problem with deception. It's just so deceiving. But when we stand on the word of God and realize the love of God for our life, that he wants the best, it's going to take work, but it's worth it to stay the course, to allow God, by faith, to work in our life. And in six months, and a year, if the enemy comes in, it'll be a whole different story than it was the first time. Because now you've decided and you've allowed the Word of God to transform your mind, and transforming your mind, and transforming your mind. That we've t- been tired of being lazy or, or maybe uh, non-responsive, not not participating in the Word of God, the things of God, sharing our faith with other people. That we're saying, God, I, I believe in you. I put you first. This morning, if that's you. I want you to pray along with me. Father, today you see our hearts. God, you know that our, our heart is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, some uh, sometimes it, it, it seems like we don't even know, but we've allowed words to come into our life that we shouldn't have allowed circumstances that were rough to kind of affect our experience and therefore build a belief system that is not true. But Father, today we say no to the voice of the enemy and we say yes to your voice, your wonderful Holy Spirit. God, we make changes in your name that we could glorify you in all that we do. In your wonderful name we pray, amen.